Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy. What's up? Can you give it up one more time for those two? All from memory. Unbelievable monologue. That's incredible. That blew me away. I'm just kind of taking that in for a minute because that was deep, right? That was a deep illustration, a, a picture. And you know what's crazy is like how that fits so perfectly with this scripture and this book and this prophet, this illustration, this real life narrative, narrative that we've been kind of walking through with Hosea and Gomer. Like that's the picture. That's the picture. That's the picture of, of Hosea and Gomer. That's the picture of God and Israel. That's the picture of Jesus and us. It's an amazing picture of a bridegroom who, who is standing before his bride, and she's admitting how much of a mess she is. And he's saying, I'm here. I still want you. I want to be with you. I want to be one with you. Can't you see? I'm at the altar with you, waiting for you, wanting to be with you. Will you be mine? That's the picture. And it's a beautiful picture. We're going through this theme of one family, this one family theme that we have where what Christ has done and what God intended from the very beginning was that we would be one with him and one with one another, that Jesus himself even prayed in a garden that, Father, may they be one as you and I are one. It was the intention that the great Shema in Deuteronomy that the Israelite people would say, Behold, our God. He is one. The Lord our God is one. Oneness, unity, perfect peace, nothing missing, nothing broken. That is what God represents and that's what God desires because when he made us in his image, he made us with the intention that we would be one. One. One with him. One with one another. A beautiful kaleidoscope. All different ethnicities, all different colors, all different journeys and testimonies, all different types of people together as one. One Lord, one God, one baptism, one church, one flesh, one Savior, Jesus. We'd be one. When we entered into this narrative of Hosea the prophet, we started with this idea of I gave. To recapture that peace, the picture is, is that God gave him his very self to his people. That he would be a present God. That he would be a God who was with the people he loved. With humanity. With his children. He would be a present father, an ever-present father with them. And he gave himself to them. He gave himself to us. And every good and perfect gift comes from him. And then 
talked about even though God gave and everything good and perfect comes from him. At some point in our history, there was a breach in the covenant. There was a separation because someone decided that instead of going after the good and perfect gifts that God had, they decided that that wasn't good enough so that they would go on their own means, their own ideas, their own initiative, their own impulses to find that which was good and pleasing to the eye. And they would take it into their own hands what was good for them when God is saying, this is good enough. I have plenty, all that you need and more. And yet that wasn't good enough. So we went on our own ventures our own ideas. We went after our own pursuits of the good things that might fill what we want now. So we returned as Hosea and Gomer are in this relationship and Gomer goes and returns to the old way of life continuing her pursuits in promiscuity and prostitution, seeking affection and fulfillment from so many sources outside of the source of her freedom, the source of her security, the source of her value in relationship with the man of God who represented his presence in that place for her. Yet she went and continued. She returned. And we talked about how this morning how we often return. It's so easy to return back to those old vices, those old temptations, those old sins, those old places, those old desires, those old ideas. We return. We pointed some of those places out, some of those things that fulfill us where we're seeking something, like we're scrolling through our Snapchats, our news feeds, we're scrolling through the stream, and we could get so lost in it after a while we completely miss the concept of time and we've been staring at it for two hours and then maybe we could come into our right mind and say what have I been looking for what have I been looking for and take it to a real level where we're walking outside of this place behind closed doors or within our relationships or with our friends and we're fulfilling or those same pursuits are manifesting themselves in the flesh through the flesh and we're just outright sinning because we're looking for something and if somebody was to say what are you looking for we really couldn't explain ourselves could we we just know it's wrong it's so outside of God's heart for us his will for us his desire for us and slowly it might even be killing us but we still return Isn't that crazy when you think about it? So in the time now that we find the prophet Hosea and Gomer, his wife, she has birthed three children outside of wedlock, one of whom's name means not mine, another one who's named not loved, And the other one, to be honest with you, I forgot what his name means. For me, not loved and not mine is enough for me, and I'm sure the third one isn't so good either. (laughs) Forgive me. She has these children, and she continues to, after some time, she runs and pursues the things outside of God's will, outside of the will of her husband, the best interests of God, the best interests 
of her husband and she begins to pursue things, forgetting, not realizing what had been given to her in the confines, in the construct, in the security, in the freedom of that marriage. So she returns. And she returns to such a point where she's actually brought into this slavery. She is enslaved by a master. She is now being owned by a person, and she is a prostitute under the ownership of some master. And she is being prostituted, not now on her own initiative, but on the initiative of the master that she now belongs to. And I ask you this, do you really think that he cared one bit about her? Not at all. He didn't care about her. He would squeeze every last drop out of her, every last bit of a will out of her, every bit of independence or self-sufficiency. He would want to program her to just be a thing or an object created to serve the master, that she would lose her value, that she would lose her individuality, that she would lose her purpose, that she would lose her even her will to live. Because when you become an object, you're an object you don't have a name you only have a use and he was her master and in the meantime while all of this is going on Hosea is being talked to by God and God says to her go get her You need to get her. You need to redeem her. This theme that we're in on this session is called I'll redeem. Go get her. Redeem her. She's far away, but I still want her. She's out there. She's living crazy. She's giving herself to all sorts of things. She's being mastered by so much and so many people. There's so many influences. There's things that now she can't escape. She's so far gone, but she's not too far gone. I still want her. Go get her. And so Hosea takes on this persona now of husband, provider, now redeemer and to redeem it's like one of these christianese words we hear it a lot redeem redemption it's like one of these words like salvation or sanctification or fellowship or communion like what do these words really mean and if you think about this word redeem redeem is a verb redeem is an action and it's the action of regaining or reclaiming or gaining possession of something in exchange for payment. To redeem something is to repurchase something that once belonged to you. To make payment, to make claim to something that is no longer yours, but now it is yours, but a price has to be paid. It's being restored to its rightful owner through payment. And it was time that Hosea redeem Gomer. And this is what 
the Bible says about that. It says, then the Lord said to me, this is Hosea writing, go and love your wife again. Go and love your wife again. Even though she commits adultery with another lover, go love your wife again. Even though she's out there, you don't know who she's been with. You don't know where she's been. You don't know what she's been doing. You know it's killing her. You know she's dying. But go love her again. Go love your wife again. Even though she commits adultery with another lover, this will illustrate that the Lord still loves Israel. The Lord still loves his people. This is an illustration that I will continue to pursue. That my heart is to redeem, repurchase, reclaim, make them one. I want them. They are mine. This will be a picture that I still love them, even though they've turned to other gods and love to worship them. I heard it once said that we don't seek to turn and return because we love our sin. We just love it. We love where we're at. We love what we're doing. That's why we do it. We love our sin. And God knew that. He's like, man, this thing's they're not going to get it. They can't make it right. They can't make the payment. They can't get themselves out of this. I got to do what they can't do. And so he says to Hosea, buy her. And so it says, I bought her back for 15 pieces of silver, five bushels of barley, and a measure of wine. That is very strange currency in today's society. Silver, barley, and wine. Basically, what he's saying is, I went and I paid a bunch for her, to have her, so that she could be mine. There's a story that I heard once, and it's about a young boy who makes this model boat. It's beautiful, like a clipper ship, like a sailboat, like one of these beautiful model sailboats and he takes time he paints it it's beautiful he cherishes it he wants to you know it matters to him because it was his he created it you know and and he goes to a stream or like this river and he he's playing with it he's loves it he he loves to watch it go and then sooner or later man a current picks up and starts bringing that boat downstream And he worked hard for this thing. Like, he had to buy the materials. He had to take the time. There had to be a design. He followed directions. He he gave his heart into making this beautiful creation. And so he takes it, and he's having fun with it. He's enjoying it. And all of a sudden, the current kind of picks up stream, and it starts to go downstream and at such a rate where he can't keep up with it. And then sooner or later, that boat is out of the distance. It's gone. And this kid is, like, crying. This little boy is like, that was mine. I created that. I put my heart into that. I love that thing. And now it's gone. And there was one day, like a month or two later, and he's walking down the street. And he comes by this hobby shop. And in the window of this hobby shop is his boat. 
and he sees this boat, and he's like, that's mine. Like, I, I know that boat. I, I made that boat. I know the intricacies of that boat. I know the details of that boat. I could tell you everything about that thing. I could tell you what it was made from and what kind of glue I used and what kind of wood I used. I know what kind of material I used to make the sail, the paint colors. I could tell you everything about that thing because I am intimately involved with the creation of that boat. And there it sits in arm's reach, yet it's no longer mine. And so he goes into the store and he talks to the, the owner and the owner's in there and he's like, sir, sir, that's my boat. Can I have that boat back? And the owner said, you have to buy that boat. That's my boat. I found it. I took it. I made it mine. And I'm selling it. It's no longer yours. It's mine. And so this little boy walks out, and he goes home, and he takes his savings with all of the yards he mowed and with all of the sidewalks he shoveled and all the driveways he shoveled and all of the trash that he cleaned up for his old neighbor down the street and all of the leaves that he raked and all of this money that he stored and saved in this piggy bank that he was saving up for something special. And he takes that thing and he just smashes it on the floor, takes all of his earnings, all of his hard work, his blood, sweat, and tears, and he runs down to the hobby shop and he throws the money on the counter and he says give me my boat back I want my boat and so the store owner gives him his boat and he takes that boat and he loves it he hugs it and he says to his boat now you're twice mine you're twice mine I paid for you once I created you I was intimately involved with you and I lost you but I bought you again because you matter that much to me. That's the picture of Hosea and Gomer, of God and Israel and Jesus and us. That is the picture. You're twice mine. You're twice mine. It's the story of God, humanity, and sin. Because of sin, there's just been this fracture. There's been a great divorce between creator and creation. A divorce between the God who loves us and man who forgets that. And where at one time we had this free, intimate, meaningful, life-giving relationship with God and we became slaves to sin. We became mastered by the enemy, by Satan, the tempter, the divider, the home wrecker, the one who causes divorce by putting little lies into your soul, into your mind, and saying, did God really say you couldn't have that? Isn't that desirable? Doesn't that look good? I mean, he really couldn't, wouldn't want to keep you from that. And we say, you're right. And we go, we go after it. 
we go downstream and we leave the boy on the shore saying, don't leave me. Don't go. I want you. I created you. You're intimately known by me. I knit you together. I know every hair on your head, every thought in your mind, every desire of your heart. I know you. You're fearfully and wonderfully made by me. I know your days. I know your purpose. I had plans for you before I laid the foundation of the earth. I knew you. You're mine. Don't go out there. Stay with me. And the debt kept racking up. And the void between us and God kept getting bigger. And we couldn't get back to the other side. We sung it with John Tibbs. We sang, the chasm was far too wide. I couldn't reach the other side. But your love never fails. And there was no amount of money or barley or silver or wine that would come close to paying that debt. We can't get out of this. It's too big, it's too much, and we're too small. We couldn't pay it. And because we can't make it right, and we couldn't make it right, we were going to be separated from God forever in hell. Forever separated from God. As if that's not hell enough. No God. No presence. No love. No relationship. Us on our own. Tell me how many times you've actually seen that work out when it comes to someone's flourishing. All I see is a wrecked life headed for death. When I see the one who is living a godless life. I've never seen someone live a godless life in peace, in living in freedom. I've never seen it. I've been around a lot of people. People who don't know God, people who do know God. I see it all the time. Ask me where I see peace. Ask me where I see true freedom. Ask me where I see hope. Ask me where I see purpose. Ask me where I see value and integrity and character. Ask me where I see it. It predominantly resides where God is present. So fast forward several hundred years. God gave us the representation in the prophet and the prostitute. And God manifested himself as the Savior of all of humanity, sending his son, Jesus Christ, in the flesh, who was God, who was with God, who was in the beginning with God, who was one with God in the beginning, who was there at creation with God. Everything that was created was created by him and through him. And he puts on flesh and dwells among us, and he shows us how to live a perfect life. The perfect manifestation of perfect love. God, nothing missing, nothing broken, nothing tainted, no blemish, spotless. In the flesh, here on earth, God with us. And he did nothing wrong, yet was tempted in every way. You don't think God knows about temptation? 
You don't think God knows what it's like to see something and to hear something, to hear the lies, to have those seeds thrown at him to say, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Did God really say? Don't you want that he was tempted in every way yet didn't sin? We have a God who can empathize with every thought in your head. Every desire of your heart, yet he did not sin. So, that is a huge bill to pay. That's a lot of debt. All of humanity, past, present, and future, someone's got to pay it. Can any of you? Is it out there? What would it cost to redeem all of humanity, to reconcile them back to the perfect God? Well, I think God himself is the only one who could possibly pay it. How? In being completely perfect, yet willing to take on all of the imperfection from beginning to end on himself so that the thirst of that... So that the thirst of his wrath could be satisfied. Payment could be made. He was pretty, for lack of a better term, pissed. That it would take all of this to be with you. And so for that to be satisfied, he was going to let that come on to his perfect son. To be absolved, absorbed by him once and for all. No more payment needed to be made. All he needed now was belief that he did it. And that it was finished. And so, the son, the perfect son, sacrifice, the perfect one, went and paid the bill that we deserved paid the debt, took it on himself, and he said, bring on the whips. Bring on the fists. Bring on the spit in my face. Bring on the mockery. Bring on the insults. Bring on the cross. Tear the skin from my my frame. Tear the muscles from from my skeleton. Beat me in the face, kick me in the ribs, push me, mock me, force me to carry a cross up a hill, push a crown of thorns into my skull, take my clothes, do whatever you want, because there is a joy set before me, and that joy is my bride. That's my joy. You and me. That's my joy. So nail me to the cross. Feet and hands. Continue to mock. And all I will say from that cross as I'm pinned there is forgive them. Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And guess what? A matter of fact, this guy to my right this sinner over here, this murderer, this insurrectionist, this guy that's, that's running a revolt, this guy who, who actually deserves to be on this cross, guess what? I'm not going to forget about him either. I'm going to turn to this guy who never got it right, and I'm going to say, hey, guess what? Have no fear. This day, you're going to be with me in paradise. You're part of my bride too. I want you. 
And so he gives up his life. And he says, it is finished. The debt's paid. The slate is clean. The veil that separated God and man, it's torn. Now this relationship can happen again. God and man, no middleman, just me and you. I want you. I need you. One family. We can restore this thing. Heaven on earth can happen again because I'm going to pour out my spirit now. And you can have it. The spirit of the living God can be in you. Guess what you got to do? Believe that I died for your sins. Confess with your mouth that I am Lord and know that I raised from the dead. And just as I raised from the dead, I will resurrect you too. Death to life. And you can be mine forever. Oh, you're going to sin. Yeah. You'll return sometimes. Yeah. But at this point, because of the payment that was be made, remember, past, present, and future, we can still be together in this thing. You can still be mine. And you don't have to hide from me in shame. You can hide in me by way of grace. You're mine. I love you. Nothing can separate. Even if I ran away. Your love never fails. We sang that. Your love never changes. And so we can observe John 3.16. For this is how God loved the world. This is how he did it. He gave. (laughs) His one and only son. He gave. His one and only son. So that everyone who believes in Jesus Christ will not perish, will not die, will not be in hell forever separated from him. But guess what? They'll be one for eternity. You will have eternal life. He'll redeem because we are his. We are one family from now into eternity. All you have to do is believe. Just believe. And so here's what I would like for us to do. Um, maybe there's like a dim button on the house lights. Is there one of those? Bring it down a little bit. Oh, yeah, there we go. Maybe these spotlights a little bit can come down. They're hot anyway. Here's what I want to do. I just want to give you time. You time. Quiet. No distractions. Because this is life and death right now. This is continuing to be mastered. Or being set free. That's what this is. That's what this is right now. And in your chair right now, no distraction, no messing with anybody, no zoning out, no distractions. Just I want you to sit and I want you to ask the spirit of God, God, should I continue to be mastered or should I choose to be set free? Do I want to continue living a life devoid of your presence
and your pursuit? Or do I want to give myself to you in believing that Jesus is Lord? So I'm going to give you time in silence to close your eyes and ponder that. Here's the charge. <clears throat> there is one big family in this room. This is a safe place. This is a place where people want to celebrate one another. This is a place where when you bring your vulnerability, when you bring your junk, that there are people who are like, yeah, me too. And guess what? I love you. This is that. This is that family. This is the family that doesn't indict. This is the family that doesn't judge. This is the family that trusts. They uphold one another. We represent that Hosea. You're safe. You're secure. Be free. Bring what you got. No fear in perfect love. Perfect love casts out fear. And so here's the charge. My charge is this. There is someone, even if it's just one, that has never chose to follow Jesus with their life. They've never chose to put their faith in Christ. They've never taken advantage of an invitation or have never heard an invitation to follow Jesus and to be rescued, to be freed, to be set free by Jesus. And so I don't want somebody who could make that choice for the first time to miss that opportunity. And so if you feel that God is even nudging you, if you feel uncomfortable, and this would be your first time to follow Jesus, your first time to say, I'm putting my belief in you, your first time, I invite you to stand up.
first time, I'm inviting you to stand up. Stay standing. Your first time, I'm inviting you to stand up. There's nothing to be afraid of. Stand up. Last invitation of the weekend. You still have small groups. Your first time. Be bold and stand up. It's a safe place. I just don't want you to miss it. I don't want you to miss it. I don't want you to miss it. Now, if you're standing, I'd like you to come to the front. Just come up here. It's a safe place. And while they're coming to the front, I want you to lose your minds for these people. Come on up here. Stand up here. Stand up here. Lose your minds. They are in your family now. One family. All of heaven rejoices if one puts their faith in Jesus Christ. Are you losing your minds? This is our family. If you're a leader for one of these students, I need you to come up. I need the leaders to come up for one of these students. Stay right here. I need your leaders to come up. If you're a friend of somebody standing up here, you can come up. Put your hands on somebody. This is your family. Stand beside you, uphold you, love you. Now, if you're somebody who is making that decision, I want you to just bow your heads. Everybody put a hand on that person. Bow your heads. And here's the thing. It says if you believe in your heart that Jesus died for your sins and you profess with your lips that he is Lord, then you will be saved once and for all. And so I'm just going to lead you in saying a prayer, and it's your family that has their hands on you and your responsibility to show them how do we walk in this? How do we grow in this? How do we love in this? We're here for one another. So if you're one of these people, one of those children of God who are making this decision, you can repeat after me just in this simple prayer. Dear Jesus, repeat after me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for coming after me. I confess that I've sinned. I can't get it right. But you gave your life that I would be set free. I believe in my heart that you walked the earth 
as the Son of God, that you died on a cross, and that you were raised from the dead in payment for me, that I would be forgiven and set free. I put my trust in you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and never depart from me. I am yours once and for all. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. 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 We hope you enjoyed listening to this Life After Camp episode. Discover all of the year-round adventures at RVR and find out how you can support our ministry at rivervalleyranch.com. Thanks.